0: chapter four of france to scandinavia by frank g carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b through normandy by motor car our trip from the channel to paris is taken while the harvest is ripening most of the way is through normandy a land given up to meadows grain fruit and stock raising the country is one crazy quilt of agricultural riches the patches of which are sewed together with hedges of the greenest of green. The patches are represented by wheat, oats, hay, and alfalfa, which are interspersed with orchards and truck gardens near the big towns. The fields are clean except for the bright red poppies showing here and there out of the green. There is no wasteland anywhere. The soil has been tickled and it laughs with the harvest. Here they are cutting the hay, using great scythes as in the days of our forefathers. They load the hay into carts drawn by huge Norman horses, or put it up in symmetrical cocks that are twice as tall as those of our farmers and will surely shed rain. I notice especially the cattle and the sheep. They pepper the meadows with white and black spots, growing smaller and smaller as they near the horizon. Normandy is one of the best cattle regions of France. From its milk comes the camembert cheese, and the province is a big dairy for both Paris and London. As I look, I am reminded that France is now raising enough meat to feed almost her whole people. I see fine oxen hauling carts over the roads and am told that Brittany has record cows which produce from five to seven pounds of butter per week. I have not had a bit of bad butter during any of my travels in France. And now take a look out of the tail of your eye as we fly in our motor car through some of the farming lands of the once-devastated regions. In another chapter, we shall go leisurely, stopping the automobile where we please, to study the country. This is just a snapshot. We are riding at something less than one mile per minute, through what I believe to be the most wonderful agricultural display on the face of the globe. I have seen nothing like it in other parts of Europe, or in North America, South America, or Asia. The country is one great blanket of crops, without fences or weeds or any marked divisions, separate the fields, and the different shades of green alone show where one ends and the next one begins. All seem to be equally rich. Every patch is like the best show acre of one of our agricultural experiment stations, and this is so of fields, small and large, and for hundreds of miles on each side of the roadway. The wonderful roads make our travel easy. Centuries before railroads had been invented, and long before America was discovered, the kings of France began to build highways. It is now more than 500 years since the country first had public roads and a regular service for the inspection and repair of its bridges. It has been building roads from that time to this and has enough inside the Republic, if joined together, to reach from the earth to the moon, with sufficient left over to make eight Lincoln highways clear round the globe. The national roads of France could reach almost round the earth at the equator, And its state roads, or those kept up by the departments, could the Atlantic be bridged, might form six lines of communication between New York and Paris, each wide enough for two motor cars to pass. The country roads alone measure 375,000 miles. On all this great road system, there are no tolls to pay. It makes me blush when I think of my motor rides over the ruts from my country place in Virginia, where there is a toll gate every five miles and no toll is less than 25 cents. This is in the Blue Ridge Mountains, almost within sight of the Washington Monument. I have ridden around Paris within a like radius of the Eiffel Tower, and no tolls are charged. The roads are like stone floors evenly laid, and one can go on high over the steepest of hills. Everywhere I go, I see great piles of crushed stone laid up on the roadsides. I say laid up for the stones or broken rocks are of even sizes, and they are stacked in pyramids or wind rows, each stone seeming to have its particular place. Stray bits of stone are not allowed to cumber the roadway, which is kept as smooth as the paving on a street in the city. At intervals one sees also piles of Belgian blocks hoarded up. Each block is four times the size of an ordinary brick and is evenly cut. These blocks are used for the coping which walls each side of the road and keeps back the grass. Most of the new roads are of Macadam on the old roadbed, but there are also miles of these Belgian blocks laid together as on our brick roads in the States. In some places asphalt is used, but as a rule, the highways are of stone or Macadam. So far I have seen none of concrete. There are but few towns of the United States that have pavements as good as these country roads of the Republic of France. As a result, one or two horses or yoke of oxen can haul in a two-wheeled cart twice the load of hay or grain drawn by a four-horse team in America. France is issuing bonds for making these roads in the belief that it pays a nation better to have debts and prosperous farmers rather than to have no debts while the farmers spend so much to get their goods to the markets that they are kept poor. Indeed, as Tristram Shandy would say, they do these things better in France. Another thing they do better is lining their highways with trees. In our motor car rides we go for miles between stately poplars, some of which are as big around as a flower barrel and as tall as a four-story house. The branches of the trees meet above us, overshading the roadway, and we can look on and on between two walls of green to the patch of blue sky in the distance. Japan prides itself on the wonderful avenue, which stretches for 15 miles along the road to the beautiful temples of Nikko. That road is shaded by giant cryptomerias. France has hundreds of avenues quite as wonderful, many of which recall to me the rows of royal palms in Rio de Janeiro, especially those of Rio's botanical gardens. One may still see the damage done, these trees, by the shells of the Germans, and it makes one's heart swell to ride through the battlefields, now once more under crops. The trees are in fairly good condition for quite a distance. Then dead stumps ranging from the height of a man to that of a telephone pole break the symmetry of the line and scar the landscape. The tops of the stumps are like gigantic toothbrushes, for the wood was simply shredded by the shells of the big guns. But see, it is darkened. We are flying in our automobile over roads where the trees shut out the sun. There are woods at the right and the left, and the only breaks are long alleys or roads cut at regular intervals. We are passing through one of the great forests of France. How beautiful it is, how well kept, and how thrifty. There are no leaves on the ground, and the undergrowth of young trees is rich. Each one seems to be nursed. There are no broken limbs, and no logs clutter the earth. France has vast tracts of such forest and square mile for square mile far more timber than the United States, notwithstanding the fact that not more than a hundred years ago, the eastern part of our country was covered with forests. We have been wasting our timber as a drunken sailor wastes money during his few hours on shore. France has been saving hers. She plants more trees every year and allows none to be cut until it is just right for the market. She will probably have a good her suit covering of woods, when Uncle Sam's head is as bald as an egg. End of chapter 4